0: I'm afraid to talk about some stuff that happened to me because I know that there's someone in the room who's gone through something worse, right? Yeah. That's what I'm always afraid of. (laughs) Even though no one's ever looked at me and been like, uh, I had it worse. (laughs) Shut up. Like, that's never happened. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Pickles and Vodka, the mental health podcast where imperfect people have imperfect conversations and try recording three times in a day.
1: You guys don't know it, but she nailed that three times.
0: Three times! (laughs) I know! I can't believe it. Normally I fuck up the tagline, but I've done it three times today. I'm feeling good.
1: Yes, you're a professional. It
0: is late at night for me, but you know what? I'm excited. Yeah! We're here, um... Well, we're here. Yes,
1: <laughs> we, we are both wherever here is.
0: So we met today at 1130. We tried to record and it didn't work. So then we tried restarting my router and all this stuff and still it wasn't working. So we decided to try again tonight and
1: we just figured out it was a wire on Lauren's headphones oh no 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 before that before it was definitely you yeah but just now we also thought that we were gonna have to scrap it and it's just because I don't know how to plug in headphones yeah so
0: the first two times (laughs) it was me and my and then I moved to my parents house I actually feel like I've traveled back in time because I used to record the podcast here all the
1: time that's what I was thinking I was like I think the first one we did maybe you said you were there or something like that yeah because
0: they got that good internet
1: Yeah. Mine
0: is apparently not to be relied upon.
1: Mine is apparently doing okay, even though I'm just kind of stealing it from the collaborative workspace around the corner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Lauren, I feel like (laughs) this is the third time today that I've asked you to talk about your moving process, but the listeners don't know that.
1: I know. And this is still a pretty good story. I might summarize it more, just that I was prepared to get AT&T for internet service and they came in when they were supposed to, and they said, this place isn't set up for fiber. And I was like, well, you guys said it was okay when I called you. You said I was in your service area. And we am like, well, we can't, we can't do this. Lauren, I, like, oh.
0: I feel like that's what they say when you go to eating disorder treatment. Like, this place isn't <laughs> set up for fiber. <laughs> <laughs> Protein only. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I had to sneak that in
1: there. I'm sorry that you've been no, having difficulties. That was, that was perfect. <laughs> yeah, we have been through it. Yes. But so then my solution was there's this workspace that's supposed to be all, you know, like trendy millennial. And like, we can just go and plug in our laptop and where we work from home and also has some gym equipment. You tell but me it... not to make fun of your age, but when you say things like that, it makes you sound old. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. We know that I'm spicier at night. Oh yeah, <laughs> no. we have
1: experienced this.
0: But before. no, it's it, basically you're talking about like one of those hotel areas
1: where they have like a bar
0: where you can plug in your computer and like work and stuff. Yeah,
1: pretty much, except for um, that. My building is a converted um, old school. And so this is actually used to be the gymnasium and has like a stage and everything. I want to see pictures of that. I will take some.
0: We all saw pictures of your building and like, Mm -hmm. it's so gorgeous.
1: Oh, I think I didn't finish the story, which is, yeah, so that obviously they just have like a general Wi-Fi and that was one of the first things is they told us, you know, like this is the guest Wi-Fi and this is the password and I can get on it from my apartment because it's so close, so... I'm just going to ride that train until someone notices. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: definitely coming in clutch today.
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah, follow our Instagram if you haven't already.
0: We posted pictures of Lauren's new place, and it's
1: amazing. Mm it is a big mess still there are considerably more books on the bookshelf than when we first tried to record and they're, they're also wiped down and clean <laughs> so yes. i've done something and then just now i was looking up uh youtube videos on how to put up a tension rod i hate tension rods that's apparently the one thing i even like bugged the landlord about it i was like did uh my bathroom get missed because there's no shower rod she's like, oh, yeah, it's a weird thing. This construction company just doesn't do shower rods.
0: Wait, you don't have a rod for your shower? Yeah. I was thinking for your windows or something.
1: Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, so the first uh, tension rod I tried to install, I could kind of get it to sort of hold on the wall, but not very sturdy. And the best I ended up doing was I hung the shower curtain on three shower hooks because any more would have brought it down and it was enough so I could at least take a shower but then my movers came and they confirmed no bitch that tension rod's busted I mean
0: (laughs) you have a kitten too so that's not I can tell you right now that's not going to last very long well he's generally not allowed in the bathroom okay that's a wise choice Um, I had this whole thing I was going to talk about earlier, but I don't feel like talking about that anymore.
1: Okay. Did you want to talk about anything
0: else? I mean, I just got back from hanging out with my sister Caroline, who has been on the podcast. Yes. She's going through a really rough time right now with her car and stuff. Mm -hmm. The engine died for no reason. Like, she takes really good care of it. She only puts in, like, expensive gas. She's super bougie when it comes to her car. (laughs) Like Her car is in good condition. (laughs) So it just died out of nowhere, and she doesn't have a car. So um, we got our nails done and we got subs from Wawa for dinner because that's our treat.
1: Oh. (laughs) And
0: it was fun. It makes me think of like all the times that I was a mess and the other people took care of me. And it's really nice to just be able to like be there for family members who are going through it and just be in a good enough mental place where I can like fully be there for them. You know?
1: I know what you mean. I feel like I've had friends like that where I once I get to experience, like, hey, you get to dump on me, and I'll help you out. Yeah, <laughs> this is two-way so way street it being reversed. Yes, I know, right? I feel really
0: yeah. guilty sometimes that I'm just like a, an emotional leech
1: yeah I mean I'm not
0: saying like yeah you are I I understand I feel like a lot of us and when I say us I mean you and our listeners I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of us feel that way it's like that thing where would you feel like a friend was taking advantage of you if they came to you with a problem probably not so why would it be different if you went to them with a problem
1: yeah I just I I judge myself harsher than other people do oh yeah don't worry we (laughs) all
0: do it (laughs) <laughs> um, I don't really have anything else before we get into our topic.
1: I know. I I was hoping for like a nice smooth lead-in, but I didn't find one. You gotta so. make
0: your own. <laughs> so, what's our topic today, Lauren?
1: Oh my god! It's your
0: turn to pick.
1: So funny that you'd ask, because I had <laughs> it
0: right here. <laughs> Boom! Seamless transition. <laughs>
1: yes. So. My topic is just a nice light-hearted little thing. It's just trauma. Trauma! But, in particular, it is small t or little t trauma as opposed to big t.
0: What is small t trauma, Lauren?
1: So, I looked up some uh, definitions and... I think I copied down kind of a fragment of a definition, but it gets the point across. Which is just that small t trauma doesn't typically involve violence or disaster, but it does create significant distress. So we're saying, you know, it's not the people that are like, I went to war and I saw my best friend killed in front of me. It's saying like a breakup or losing a job or being rejected by friends or financial troubles. Stuff that happens to everybody. Yeah, divorce, things like that. Mm
0: -hmm. Why the need to separate it into like big T trauma and little t trauma?
1: You know, I I don't necessarily know. I can kind of conjecture because my feeling was always that the big T was all that we considered trauma for a long time. Yeah I mean I'm I'm pulling this out of my butt So I could be wrong But I feel That's all we do on this podcast To be honest We don't really know anything But but I I felt like Yeah like people had to finally recognize Like wow Just because it's not something major It's still something that affects you It affects your well-being Any trauma apparently has a higher risk of addiction Or other mental disorders You don't say I know (laughs) But, I mean, yeah, it doesn't just have to be, you know, like, I was held at gunpoint. Like, (laughs) a buildup of these smaller things will do the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
0: okay, so I've been asking you questions like I don't know what it is. Uh, I do know what it (laughs) is. I was introduced to the concept in treatment about a year ago. And it was actually really validating because, like, I only started admitting that I was traumatized, like, a couple years ago. I still feel kind of uncomfortable using the word trauma because... Of this idea that we've built up in society, which is like, if you have big T trauma, you know, you're going to have PTSD, you're going to have flashbacks, you're going to not be able to sleep at night, you're going to, you know, all these symptoms that we associate with traumatic events.
1: (laughs) Funny, this apparently is where you learn it, because I know I was also introduced to it my first time in treatment, and... The first time, I don't believe that I even accepted it for me. I was still just like, yeah, this is just like shit I need to get over. And I actually, um, big mistake on their part, I I had um, some paperwork that I needed filled out for my insurance. And I am sure that I was not supposed to see the paperwork, but I'm sure by some miscommunication, it got handed back to me to send to them. Oh, fun. And so among other things, I saw my three-tier diagnosis. (laughs) Oh, this is bringing me back to that scene in Girl Interrupted where they go in after hours (laughs) and find their diagnoses. Was it kind of like that? It was. Because it was like, um, you know, the the first one was the, the eating disorder and... As anyone familiar with the DSM, they characterize it terribly. They characterize it by, what, severe, moderate, and mild. It Was it an old version of the DSM, or was it the DSM-5? No, this yeah, this is in 5. Wow. That makes me frustrated. Yeah, it's like the big thing in 5 was supposed to be, I know, like, oh, we took away the weight criteria, and it's like, but that's what they did is they took away the weight criteria, but they still said, like, based on your weight, we consider it moderate or severe or mild.
0: Oh, God. So here are these other arbitrary ter- terms we're going to exactly. use to classify you.
1: Yeah. and so, Get out so of I, here. I won't say, but, you know, like, I saw what mine was, and I was like, oh, okay, so I can assume, like, about where I was at when I came in here. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But then um, the third one on there, that's what I remember, was PTSD. And I was like, what the fuck? I don't have trauma. (laughs) Where'd that come from? (laughs) Where did it come from? I don't know. But you know, you talk to people like, in the beginning, you tell everyone your life story. And apparently, that's what I imagine is they must have decided all these collective little (laughs) teas were enough to... Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. They really are. Mm -hmm.
0: Like, if something traumatizes you then it is trauma like I've said that before and I stand by that like it doesn't matter what it is like something could happen to you that might not be a a big deal to someone else Mm -hmm. but it changes your life forever and impacts you in really serious ways and it doesn't really matter what it is so I hear terms like big t trauma little t trauma and my first impulse is to get kind of defensive Uh, mm. sorry (laughs) Did I just take your breath away? Did I
1: steal the words out of your mouth? No, I thought I had time to take a big hit off my vape and then I (laughs) choked. It's okay. I do that a lot. Okay. But yeah, I I wondered how how did you feel like upset about it? Like
0: in what way? Part of it, I feel like just by giving it the term little t trauma, they're making it less important. Like, they're saying, okay, this traumatized you, but it shouldn't have traumatized you. I know that's not what they really mean, but that's just what I kind of got. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I felt. And so, I don't know. This is a great discussion because I feel like it could be helpful to validate someone's experiences, but it also could be harmful once you start classifying trauma, yeah, it's just another way of gatekeeping, I feel like, or it could be.
1: And this is a, a quote that I said, I think, the first time from actually, I don't know, you know, a psychologist writing in, in some big periodical or something like that. Yeah. They said that they believe that repeated experience to small t trauma can actually cause more emotional harm than one single big t trauma. And I don't like to say more or less, but I right. would at least go along with, like, it could be equal. Like, don't don't yeah. sell yourself short.
0: I, I guess I could give my example for new listeners. Uh, I grew up in a really loving family, like, really great family. Um, there were a lot of strict guidelines, and, like, of course, there was the whole religion thing that ultimately mm-hmm. kind of fucked me up. But, but because I grew up in such a loving family, I was always like... You know, they were just doing the best they could. And I still believe that. Yeah. But, like, it traumatized me. And it took a long time before I could admit that because, you know, I've never had anything violent happen to me by someone else's hand. I've done plenty of violence to myself. (laughs) Um, Or, you know, I've never been sexually abused or assaulted or anything like that that other people have dealt with. And so, of course, those are always the types of things I compare myself to. And it's dangerous.
1: And I feel the same way. It's like, basically... I can recognize and I feel looking back like, oh, you know, my parents made some big mistakes and they did some stuff that really fucked me up. But I do always believe that they had the best intentions.
0: Of course. I'm not going to yeah. say that, like, I would raise a kid any better or any worse.
1: Right. You know? I, nev- I never felt like they were doing it as in, you know, like, we got to put her in her place, little bitch.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and Carolyn and I were just talking about this, like how much our parents have changed in good ways, like since all mm-hmm. of us grew up. And, you know, they started becoming exposed to more of our antics and worldviews and stuff. And I think they've really been more open-minded lately. Like, I didn't even used to be able to talk to them about this stuff. But now, like I've mentioned before, my mom listens to the podcast and all this stuff. (laughs) Like, I'm really lucky. But I still recognize that what I went through was traumatic for me. And that I will be dealing with the repercussions for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that's something I have to do, but it's, like, uh, not my fault. And that's what I have to keep no. telling myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, what about you?
1: Like, what... Have you experienced any little T traumas? Oh, absolutely. I, I made a nice I mean... list because I, I, I realized that I, I kind of feel, like, across the board, like, all the, like, typical examples. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, that here, that here, yep. Well, there's that big thing you dropped last week. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean... That also might be, you know, like, why I got PTSD the first time. They might have considered that a real trauma. I mean... (laughs) Not real. I feel, oh, God. Every time I say something stupid like that, understand I don't mean that.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. It's not stupid. It's just we don't exactly know how to look at
1: ourselves from uh, an objective point of view, I think. Would that be accurate? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, a big reason why I wanted to do this topic, and specifically the, the small t, little t, is because I felt like... We would have more experience with that, and I know that we have both um, already, in the time I've been on this podcast multiple times, said <laughs> that we feel inadequate, mm-hmm. or like, you know, this doesn't really count, or... Which is so messed
0: up, because I feel like some people look at us, and they're like, wow, their lives are so fucked up, like, they've been through so much shit, like, mm-hmm. I mean, your sister died. I know. And we talked about this last week. Yeah,
1: it it's a kind of, like, odd situation not you know like what it sounds like when you just say your sister died but it was kind of a, a bomb that I just sort of dropped <laughs> yeah <Christina. laughs> thanks a lot
0: no, yeah. I'm just kidding but no that's a, a really great example because like I hear something like that and I think oh big T trauma your mm-hmm. sister died but like once you explain the circumstances that like she was essentially brain dead you know yeah and and, like, it's still a terrible thing. Don't get me wrong. It's, and yeah. it's traumatized your family. But, like, you didn't really have a connection to her.
1: Right. Like, yes, I had a lot of far-reaching feelings towards it. And I talked about things that I came up later as an adult. But, yeah, at the time, it was just kind of like it was almost as if you had this doll that laid in a crib and on the couch for a while. And suddenly that doll's gone.
0: It's like you said, though, like, the the effects of the, quote-unquote, little-t trauma can have really long-reaching consequences.
1: Yeah, so something I was thinking of, because like I said, I kind of have a list, is maybe if we just sort of talk about things that we've been through that would fall under it, and hopefully people can relate. Talk about traumatic things that happened to us? Just little ones.
0: <laughs> nah, I'm out. I don't, we don't do that on this
1: podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um. Okay, well. Tell me more about your family trauma. How do you think your parents messed you up, even though they didn't mean to?
0: Oh, God. Well, so a lot of people are raised with religion, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are raised with strict rules. And a lot of people are homeschooled. And a lot of people have a lot of siblings.
1: And a lot of people have financial
0: (laughs) difficulties. But, you know, all of it happened to me. It was all happening all at once. I
1: was thinking as you're listening to that, I'm like, but
0: that's a lot to deal with. I mean... It's the kind of thing where when I start telling someone else about it, it's like, oh, wow, that sounds really hard. But it's just, Mm -hmm. it was normal for me. Like, moving every three years because we were in the military and then, like, being homeschooled. And I also taught one of my sisters to read. Because, like, basically in the sect of Christianity that we were in, like, the more kids you had, basically, the better. Like, the Mm -hmm. kids are basically seen as, like,
1: tools. That that means you did what you were supposed to for God.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so um, and then once the kids are old enough, like they start doing chores and helping to raise the other kids. It's very Mm -hmm. normal. I knew tons of families like this. But, like, I didn't feel like I didn't really have a childhood in some ways. And, again, this isn't inherently traumatizing.
1: No, but because you were the oldest,
0: so you didn't get to. Yet. I feel like I raised a bunch of kids. Like, there's just a lot of pressure. Like, you have to grow up to be this way. You have to be super responsible and sh- show honor to God and, like, conduct yourself appropriately mm-hmm. and all this stuff. It's a lot of pressure. You have to look a certain way and talk a certain way and, like... Don't listen to this kind of music dressed this way. Don't watch these movies. Like, we really were sheltered. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I don't know. I just kind of drove myself crazy trying to fit in with all of it. Mm Because I I was feeling curious about the world. And our access to outside information was very limited. Okay. Because the world was the enemy. You know, the world was trying to corrupt us. And so Mm -hmm. we could only consume the media that the church approved. And so, we weren't allowed to like read Harry Potter or like watch oh. the Disney Channel and like, you know, we weren't allowed to celebrate Halloween and all this stuff that it doesn't sound very bad when I talk well, about it. It's just like, oh, I grew up strict, boo hoo.
1: <laughs> all of that together, it sounds like that's that's a little extreme and especially it sounds like you we're starting to feel like I don't know if I agree agree with all this oh, or yeah. if it's correct, but almost like you didn't know how to identify it because well, you didn't know. What I was think going on. the
0: thing that traumatized me the most was just the constant guilt and the constant fear, because there was constant guilt for not being perfect, you know, yeah, <laughs> and and then constant fear of going to hell for not being perfect.
1: Yeah, because I'm imagining being in, you know, in a family, in a community that's like that, and if you are starting to feel like, I don't know if this is what, you know, I vibe with, mm-hmm. then you, you feel like, am I supposed to hide it because everyone else does? <laughs>
0: and like the thing that stuck with me a lot, honestly, is the body image stuff and like mm-hmm. the, the sex negativity that we were raised with. It was just like, you're never going to have sex unless it's your husband, and your husband is the one God has chosen for you, and he'll pop into your life if you follow God and do everything you're supposed to, but until then, all men are basically animals, and they're going to look at your body, and you need to help them not stumble by covering up your body and not drawing any attention to your body, and just, like, it's all about your, your countenance, like your your eyes and your makeup and your hair and like it's just like a lot of emphasis on outward appearances and also a lot of emphasis being placed on being targeted in a negative way for your sexuality just for having a body so you know so it it doesn't sound like a a shock anymore when I grew up to have an eating disorder (laughs) and like I still I still have a lot of like sexual issues like I Mm -hmm. I am really uncomfortable
1: when it comes to I mean, that kind of stuff. I, I share that much at least. We didn't get the body stuff so much. But, you know, the Catholic faith, of course, is of course. like, you, you do not have sex unless you are married. And you should only be having sex to have children. And yeah. if you get divorced, then you're out of the church.
0: Yeah. It, so, like, while nothing really, like, big T traumatic happened to me, I do have a lot of things like that that just built up over the years. And th- you can't just cast aside that stuff when you decide you don't believe in christianity anymore
1: like that stuff stays with you probably when i was like junior high-ish then i thought of my my biggest fears and um one of them was spiders still is (laughs) (laughs) i forget what episode i found that out in we were taking a quiz i know but i don't know which episode (laughs) yeah i think it was the vape quiz (laughs) okay (laughs) Yeah, so one was that, and um, the other was probably either needles or roller coasters, both of which I still do not like. Oh, fuck roller coasters. I yeah. will never ride another roller coaster as Same. long as I live. I'm, I'm done. Done. And the third was having sex, because I'd heard that it hurt. I heard, yeah, that men are just out to get you and take advantage of you. Uh, I didn't know what it would be like, and what if
0: I get pregnant? Dude, so I went to a Christian college... One night I came up to my dorm and there were a bunch of girls crying together in one of the rooms Uh and the RA told me that it was because one of them made out with her boyfriend in a pool and she was worried that she was pregnant. Oh my god. There was no (laughs) no sex education.
1: Did you ever see the movie Saved? No. It's actually probably one of my favorite movies.
0: I need to watch it. It's one of those movies people have suggested to me. I have to be careful with stuff like that though Mm because they can trigger me if I'm not careful.
1: I think their school is religious because everyone, yeah, is, like, very religious and, um, one of the girls actually gets pregnant by her boyfriend. Shit. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely have to watch that sometime. Probably my favorite Macaulay Culkin role ever. (gasps) He is so funny in it. Okay, okay, I'm in. (laughs) Okay. So, um, going off something you said before, I was going to, uh share some of things um, from my growing up that I would agree and the funny thing is I was going to end it on the same sort of thing. Like, why did I get an eating disorder? Yeah. I'll start there. <laughs> but actually I'll end there. I'll I'll start with um, I'll I'll start with collectively. My parents split up when I was twenty. And so it wasn't a huge thing that's going to affect me because I was out of the house and it surprised me but also they never seemed that like close. So it wasn't super strange for them to be a part. It wasn't like a bombshell. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, like, like I was living at home and like one day my dad's in the house and then one day he's gone, he's moving out. My mom's throwing his stuff on the curve or anything like that. I mean, that's
0: still a big change.
1: Yeah. That's why I was like, it it was something that affected me. A big thing that affected me about it, I think, is I, I was at college and my mom came to visit and she told me and... While she was talking and explaining about this, she explained about how she was actually having a lot of problems with the marriage and ready to move out when I was 10.
0: <gasps> oh, that's so sad, though. Stro- like for 10 years, just like yeah. kind of being unhappy.
1: Yeah, they ended up kind of, you know, like working it out enough, I feel like probably to stay together for the family and yeah, things that's like common, that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. But I didn't know. So I know when my mom told me, I was like, well, that kind of makes it feel like 10 years of my family was a lie. Yeah. That's almost <laughs> more traumatic. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I felt like was the uh, the hardest thing to come to terms with from that. Much more than them splitting up. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like there's a breach of trust almost. It's mm-hmm. like, what else have you
0: been hiding from me? Mm-hmm. Did you feel like that? <laughs> Absolutely. Have you talked to your, either of your parents like seriously since then and kind of gotten a better idea of what was going on? I Not that we need to talk about it, you know, on the no, podcast. No,
1: <laughs> but I've, I've heard some stuff and I've also come to some conjectures from things that I've learned about their early relationship because when they talk about, when my mom talks about it more and my brother said he heard some of the same stuff that, It sounds like there was just, like, problems in the relationship from day one. But here's the part that we did not talk about, but I know. My parents dated for one summer. Then my mom and some girlfriends did the whole, like, backpacking through Europe thing. So they didn't necessarily say they split up, but she didn't know when they were going to be home, how long they were going to be there. It's a fluke. So yeah, you know, they kind of assumed like, oh, okay, maybe we'll pick this up if we still feel the same way when you get back. So she came back and a little while later, then, you know, they must have decided they did want to keep dating. So my mom is three years older than my dad, almost to the day.
0: Okay.
1: And it was a while before I realized that my parents got married in August and my brother was born... Five and a half months later in February. <laughs> yes, so I brought that up to them. But what I did not even think about or what didn't click in my mind till many years after that is that they got married when my dad was 18 and my mom was 21. So they might not have known. It might have been only like a few weeks or a month. But my mom was pregnant before my dad graduated high school. Wow. Tell me they didn't feel like they had to get married, both of them coming from strong Catholic families as well. Oh, totally. They don't mm-hmm. give you any
0: other options.
1: Mm-hmm. And your dad wasn't mm-hmm. even an adult. Your mom was barely an adult. Exactly. When I go back and think of that stuff, and I'm just like, oh my God, can I, I can't imagine if I was just graduating from high school and suddenly, you know, my boyfriend, or <laughs> even though it doesn't work that way, said like, we're expecting a yeah. child. <laughs>
0: That um, really opens the door to another topic which has to do with this topic, intergenerational trauma. Have you heard of that? I'm not
1: sure. I mean, it probably will be familiar.
0: I mean, I'm just paraphrasing, but it's the idea that whatever trauma your parents might have, like big T or little T, right, mm-hmm, can mm-hmm. leak down through the generations and affect you without yeah. realizing it. because like. Trauma isn't just mental, it's like physical, like when your body goes through those fight or flight responses you've heard of, Mm -hmm. that's a physical thing that happens. And again, like, I don't really know what I'm talking about. I'm not a doctor or anything, but that really affects you on a physical level and it can affect your kids. Yeah. It's really nothing to sneeze at. And so when you talk about what your parents went through, like, sure, it might not have been terrible in the way that like a death or something might have been but it definitely yeah. changed the trajectory of their
1: entire lives and your life it's interesting i was thinking about when you were saying that how um i feel like i can cite through generations so i'm not a very uh despite this podcast, I'm generally not a very open person. I'm not very emotional. I've been accused of having a very like monotone sort of voice. And a I flat didn't... effect. Like, yeah. you're, yes. like they said you <laughs> had at the psych ward. Yes. <laughs> there were a little bit of uh, extenuating circumstances there, guys. A little bit. yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, but you know, like I have gotten that and I, and I agree that yeah, I can kind of slip into that and I definitely know that I stay away from a lot of them. Emotional stuff. Ooh, Emotions are messy and gross.
0: I don't know what your outline looks like. I hope I'm not fucking it all up. What are some no. of the ways that your small tea trauma has affected you long
1: term? Like that could be one example that having that like flat effect. Well, that was actually what I wanted to say uh, talking about the generational because I feel like I can see over generations us slowly very very slowly maybe being a little more willing to like open up or or show some feelings because like if i take it backwards my mom i feel like she was like me but she also it was very important for her to project the idea of like everything is fine and my life is perfect and i'm the perfect mother and the perfect housewife and perfect everything so i feel like she was probably even more detached than me because she felt that pressure and stepping it back one more is my grandma now when I knew her I mean my, my mom's mother was a ton of fun and she was hilarious and I thought she was great but my mom told me a story once that she said when her children were little, like babies, if there's a bunch of people sitting in the room then she would always sit there with the baby on her knee facing outward like she never held them to her. Oh yeah Wow. And her idea was, you know, like, if there were people over, she assumed, like, oh, the baby probably just wants to see what's going on. But the thing is is she's always turning her children away from her and setting them on her knees, so. Ooh,
0: and, like, who knows? Was she ready to be a mom? Yeah. You know? Like, it right? could have gone back even further. When you have all these women that are just, like, taught that they're just supposed to make babies and, like. Yeah. Serve their families. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but when it when you're told that that's, A, your only yeah. option, and B, like, all when the... When you're not given the
1: choice. Yeah. <laughs> that's
0: when it becomes problematic.
1: hmm
0: I mean, when we talk about, like, religion and stuff, we're talking about our experiences. Yeah. I, I've, I'm, I'm too tired to give a disclaimer today. I don't... <laughs> that's okay. Yeah.
1: But I, re- I remember in college, because I don't want children, and I doubt that I ever have, but I remember it was in college when I suddenly just... It was, like, light poured down over my head when I realized, like, if I don't want to, I don't have to have children. (laughs) Dude, yeah. It just never occurred to me. (laughs) Same.
0: I had a moment, too, where I was like, you know, I don't have to do this if I don't have to. And this happened, like, in my mid-20s. I was way out of religion by then. But I still, Mm -hmm. I mean, we should do an episode on being child-free
1: yes, I agree completely. You really should.
0: But yeah, I also had a moment where I was like, I don't want kids. And I still get pushback sometimes, mostly from like older men, where they're like, Oh, you say that now. But
1: Oh my god, I feel like I've maybe now like gone a year or two now that I'm in my 40s, where I haven't heard somebody say, Oh, you'll change your mind. (sighs) I mean, I was like 39. And people were saying that to me. I'm like, Really? You think so? Okay, well,
0: I mean, bringing it back to the trauma thing, like, yes. I am just mostly scared of traumatizing any kids that I would produce. You know, knowing how gen- generational, mm-hmm. intergenerational trauma works and knowing how I have dealt with trauma in my own life, I wouldn't want to bring a kid into that.
1: I... Would be afraid of that, too, if I did want to have children. I've thought of that. Yeah, that it's kind of like, oh, my God, it's probably a good thing because think of how I'd fuck them up. But also, I kind of don't like when people say that because it does feel like predicting the future, saying, I know because I was raised terribly that I would also, like, my children would also be messed up because that's just in the nature. It's like, oh, you are your own person.
0: That's true. And, and I know for me I just, that's one of the many reasons I don't
1: want kids. Yeah, because it is something very common. That yeah, it gets and I agree.
0: Out. It shouldn't be just like a cop-out, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I honestly think, and we won't talk about having kids anymore after this, but I really <laughs> okay. do feel like rather than having to justify why you don't want kids, I feel like people should have to justify why they want kids. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I think so too. Like a lot of thought should be put into it, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you I heard, can. Like, I know surprises yeah. happen. Like life happens, literally. Yeah, but I
1: mean, I have heard things before. You know, like you you go through like all of this just to like have a license to drive a car, but you can just pop out a baby. <laughs> sometimes I think
0: about the fact that I'm capable of doing that, and it freaks me out. <gasps> me too. <laughs> like, but also sometimes it's empowering. Like, even though I don't want kids, it's kind of cool knowing I can do that. Like my body, ha- it, like no matter how much I've abused it, like it's bounced back. Yeah. Uh, it's it's crazy.
1: This kind of like came up, but I feel like we could talk about it a lot more, saying that any sort of trauma that you deal with usually makes it way more likely that you will develop addictions or other mental disorders. Yeah, makes sense. What do you feel like?
0: <laughs> I mean, on one hand, I feel like you could take that information and be like, this is why I'm fucked up. And I don't need to go to therapy because I know what fucked me up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm thinking about my mom right now because she w- went through a lot of trauma on her own, which she talks about in episode mm-hmm. 14, one of the very first episodes. She talks about her daddy issues, for instance, and, and mm-hmm. she'll hate me for saying this. Like She, <laughs> she hates the term daddy issues.
1: Um, yeah, I wondered about you calling it.
0: I mean, she said it. I'm just quoting her own words back to her. Okay. <laughs> uh, she's, like, in the room next to me as I'm saying this. It feels kind of weird. <laughs> right. Um, but she had, uh, her dad was kind of a piece of shit to her family growing up. And, you know, they they made reparations and all before he died. So, you know, that's great. But she her whole life, like, she grew up with her dad, like, yelling at her mom and stuff. They also divorced when she was in high school. So okay. she grew up with her dad being unkind towards her mom and telling her that she was stupid and stuff. And, she, like, she grew up with this main male figure calling her stupid. And you can look at her life and, like, no wonder she struggled so much with, yeah, like, She's self-esteem. just, like, grasping for
1: anything, I would feel like, out of that.
0: If you don't remember my mom's story, she didn't become a Christian until her 20s. Like, she was an alcoholic and, like, she had anorexia and was hospitalized oh a few times. Like, she has had a lot of really serious issues and Mm -hmm. you know she found the church and she got involved in that and that was her purpose and like it saved her like that's her own words like she'll say so on that episode and i'm i love that for her but it makes me feel a little less crazy when i look at my own issues and it's like okay a lot of that stuff is intergenerational like whether i know it or Mm -hmm. not and like it didn't help the way i was raised like certainly didn't help but those things the, the pieces were already in place Yeah. Before I was even born. And so to tie it all into your question of like, what do you think about the chances of becoming like an addict or something are higher? Mm -hmm. I I think that's absolutely true. But I would say don't just think of your own trauma. Think of like all the other traumas like your parents might have gone through your grandparents or like even, you know, on a cultural level. Mm-hmm. You know, when I what's happening with black people in this country that goes by that, that that's been going on for hundreds of years.
1: Absolutely. And and something else that I found when I was looking things up, you know, like some other like article, someone pointed out. Um, Not that that's little tea trauma. I'm sorry. No, but but someone pointed out the last couple of years with um, COVID and how that was great. An example. Interest, well, I said that's an interesting thing, because first of all, it was like. The world was collectively experiencing trauma, and to take it even further, to some people, it was big T, and other people, it was little T. So we weren't all experiencing the same trauma, but we all were. We're all in the same sea. We
0: might be in different boats, but we're all in the same current. We're all experiencing the same thing, and like some of us, it might have changed our whole lives. Like some mm-hmm. people obviously lost people. Or like yes. they died yeah. themselves. Obviously that yeah. is the ultimate <laughs> That's big T drama. Tea. <laughs> That's the biggest T <laughs> And then, you know, some people like me, no one I knew died from COVID. I didn't even get COVID until two years in. But like I lost my job and I lost my health insurance. I ended up going to treatment and moving across the country in a way because of the events that were unleashed by COVID.
1: Yeah I mean similar thing that where it was like nobody I knew died for a long time and when I did know some people that died they weren't super close to me or anything like that but yeah you know in the very beginning just being like not being able to leave your house was... well that's where I was going with this yeah. it's like
0: there's a third group of people That maybe weren't even inconvenienced as much as me, like they kept their jobs, but let's say like they had to go remote and a lot Mm -hmm. of people's mental health suffers when when you're you're isolated like that. We've talked about it a lot because it's all anyone's been talking about for two years. And that is legit trauma too, Mm -hmm. like maybe someone developed an addiction. A lot of people did. (laughs) Yeah, and so however your life changed like if it traumatized you like that's valid you deserve Mm -hmm. help and you deserve to talk about it without feeling like you have to silence yourself because you didn't go through something as hard
1: yeah it doesn't mean that you don't count because you heard someone that had it worse
0: and maybe like
1: you're worried about talking about your
0: experience like i'm 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 getting (laughs) passionate about this and so i'm Mm -hmm. stumbling over Mm -hmm. my words I'm afraid to talk about some stuff that happened to me because I know that there's someone in the room who's gone through something worse, right? Yeah. That's what I'm always afraid of. (laughs) Even though no one's ever looked at me and been like, uh, I had it worse. (laughs) Shut up. Like, that's never happened. (laughs) In fact, the opposite has happened where I'll talk about the things I've gone through and someone will come up and be like, oh, that happened to me. I feel better now because you talked about it. Like, that's happened a lot.
1: Yeah. Is something I was thinking earlier and then we, you know, like totally got off topic and I didn't say it was um, a a few different times, like a common thing I think when you're in treatment is people kind of like go through their timeline or their story. And so, you know, I've been in a couple where that's something that, that you do at some point. And I have always felt like that, that, you know, I hear other people do it first and I just start to think like, oh, my God, they have such terrible stories and awful things happen. And, you know, they came out on the other side. And I think that mine is just going to be like, "Eh, well, you know, like this kind of sucked and everything. But here I am. And I feel like I get the same reaction, which always shocks me that people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe listening to your story. And I'm like, really? (laughs) <laughs> well, that's the thing about these little t
0: traumas is that like everyone has experienced them to some degree. Like, there's a mm-hmm. more potential to connect with people over the little t traumas because yeah. most of us have gone through something
1: like that. And I think this this does speak to like what uh, whatever I said at the beginning that it was like, it's pretty much can be as bad as something large if you experience, like, a bunch of little ones. It builds over time. (laughs) It
0: builds over time. Sometimes it comes from
1: things you don't even expect. I mean, the
0: financial thing, like, I was never evicted or anything like that. My family didn't go through the worst of it until I was out of the house. So, like, I never had to use food stamps. They started using food stamps, like, after I left the house. Like, they went bankrupt and all this stuff. but. The Mm -hmm. seeds of it had been sown like while I was living with them. And so that really affected me in ways like now I can afford things, but I'll still Mm -hmm. not buy things for myself, even if I need it because I think I can spend the money better elsewhere. Um, And that does affect your mental health long-term. I wouldn't say it's currently traumatizing me in that I think about it all the time, but in little ways it will affect me. And obviously I'm still kind of
1: struggling to use the word trauma there. Yeah. You know, when I saw like examples of, of small T trauma, well, it, they said it as being rejected by friends, but I have had a couple friendships where it just is, I don't know, like, I guess since I can't describe it, I have to tell the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I had this good friend, Kim, And we had met, like, I think the year before high school, and we had been really good friends all through high school. We stayed really good friends through college. And then her and her husband moved to Chicago the year before I did. So, you know, then we ended up in Chicago together and just doing tons of stuff together and everything. So 2015, I go to treatment for the first time. Kim is super, super supportive. There's a Picture of me sitting on her couch, drinking a glass of wine, telling her the, all the story. And yeah, I want that picture. <laughs> maybe I'll post it. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, so really great. And I know, like, I don't like to do, like, FaceTime and stuff like that. But after I'd been in treatment for a while, we did that a few times because then we could at least see each other and yeah. talk. So about a year later, I had to go back. And this is, this is what ended up with me bringing Pico because... She told me when I said, like, you know, it looks like I'm going to have to go back. They have one dog and three cats. And I had my old cat, Gypsy, then. Right. So what she said is she was like, hey, you know, like, I know you're going to have to, like, find someone for the pets. And, you know, we've already got three cats, so I just can't imagine us taking in another one. But, you know, I bet we could watch Pico. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like that's, that's such a relief, something huge off my plate. And so then I did, I found someone to watch my cat. Actually, my dad watched my cat that time, (laughs) which is funny because he doesn't like cats. (laughs) But but yeah, my, my dad loves falling asleep in front of the television. So, I mean, they were great. He basically is a cat exactly (laughs) that's why I'm like I don't think he realized but yeah so I, I wasn't hearing anything but I was assuming you know I was like going through so much to find someone to take care of Gypsy and assuming Pico's taken care of and then I don't know like two days before I was just like okay so this this is okay then right and I get back from you know from my friend Kim and she's like um well actually i don't think that we can do that because uh like we have a dog walker that comes and you'd have to pay for him to walk pico as well oh my and god i'm also like sweating
0: listening to yeah this.
1: and also it's just like really stressful when he's here and yeah i don't think we can do that <laughs> i mean it's devastating but at least she was
0: honest
1: but like oh yikes I miraculously was able to bring Pico with me because, you know, I explained, like, what happened. And, like, guys, with 48 hours, my pet sitter just, like, said, nope. (laughs) you know, and I never said anything, like, bad. You know, like, when she told me all this, I'm like, well, I can't, you know, like, argue with you. I can't say no. What are you going to do? You have to take him, you know. So I was just like, okay, you know, like, I'll see what I can do. And so I went, and about a week in, I... Sent her, like, some texts, and I never got a response back, and the entire time I was there, I never got a response. I came home, I never heard a thing from her, and that is kind of how she is when she just wants to drop friends. She Mm. just stops. So I knew that, so I didn't push it, but I also never knew why. To this day, I don't know what it is that I did that suddenly made her decide, I don't want this person in my life.
0: Oh, I am so sorry. That's so painful and, like, deeply traumatizing. Like, I know yeah. everyone has stuff like that. Well, not everyone. No. Do but, people have – Do does everyone have stuff like that with friends?
1: Well, it's, I feel like a lot of people, you know, like, have lost friends or were close to someone and then weren't yeah. or had to cut people out of their lives. But I think, yeah, it just that it was so abrupt and it would just left me like with so many questions. Yeah. That's where I think I realized I'm like, yeah, that was, that was actually, yes, kind of traumatic, a friend breakup.
0: Yeah, it's traumatic because you don't know who else is going to do that to you now. Yeah. You know, that
1: deeply affects the way you interact with other people
0: moving forward. And it affects like how you think of yourself. Like, am I broken? Like, am I the problem?
1: (laughs) yeah like at that point I'd already you know been shit at relationships for a couple decades, I'm sure. So I was used to that like that didn't surprise me as much like, oh yeah, I mean this this is probably its own trauma that you know like I'd start in relationships and be like, how long till they leave me? Yeah, that's a whole other thing <laughs> right But I felt like this was the first time that it was like I just assumed yeah, it was a relationship thing and I was like, oh, so friends can just leave you too like that. That sucks. <laughs> I
0: think friend losing friendships can be more traumatizing than losing romantic relationships. Like no yeah, one talks I mean, about friend breakups, but it, so often there's questions you're left with. Because I think with friend breakups, it, it so often does happen like that where there's no explanation. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it just fizzles out and you're just left wondering for years, like, what did I do? Or maybe yeah. they were going through something, like maybe you going to treatment and stuff unlocked feelings they weren't ready to deal with. And like, you, you never know what someone else is going
1: through. Exactly. And I did think a few years later of like writing a note or something and trying to get it to her. I didn't know if I'd ask what happened or if I'd just say like, I miss you, I'd like to have contact with you. But it's kind of all morphed into like, you know what? There were problems with that friendship in the last few years. And if she felt like she could just throw it away like that, I actually have changed my mind and I don't need to reconnect. Yeah, unfortunately that's sometimes the best type of closure you can have. Yeah, it took me, yeah, a few years to come to that conclusion.
0: (laughs) Well, and that brings me to one of my last questions, which is like, you've identified the trauma, whether it's big T or little t, like what do you do with it? I mean, let's say you're not able to have therapy to talk about this stuff, like once you've identified that you're, you've been traumatized, like what are mm-hmm. some things you can do to like better understand that or like make it more valid in your mind? Cause for me, like before I could deal with it, I had to legitimize it.
1: I mean, you at least have to tell yourself that it's valid because yeah. it is.
0: It is. Trauma is trauma. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. like what it is. The thing that matters is like the effect that it has on you.
1: I think a good thing to do would maybe be to listen to a podcast that talks about it and makes you not feel alone. I don't know. Maybe like this one I heard called Pickles and Vodka. Pickles and Vodka?
0: <laughs> Is it a culinary sweet. podcast?
1: <laughs> Sometimes.
0: <laughs> what do you tell people when people ask you, like, Pickles and Vodka? What's that? Have
1: you had people ask you that? Oh, my, my friend Vicky, who... You Vicky! Know, like, we, we, we We had her... Brilliant question, basically. We're basically BFFs now. (laughs) She asked me if the name came from an episode of Ted Lasso, which I was like, no, the podcast was before that, I know. I don't even know what Ted Lasso is. It's it's a TV show. I I don't know, like a year or two ago it started. So she said um, there was a quote on there that made her think of it, and she found it, and it says, uh, this is the titular character speaking, sometimes it's good to bottle things up. That's how we get, you know, pickles. And then someone else responds, and vodka. <gasps> oh my god. I know. Maybe, maybe the creators of that show secretly listen. I doubt maybe it. Maybe they're fans. <laughs> I doubt it. But if they are, um,
0: I'm sorry I haven't seen your show. You're going to have to be a little more up front if you want to get my attention. Yeah. Our attention, I should say.
1: <laughs> We're not going to chase after you like perfect vape. Yeah, I, I have almost <laughs> given up with perfect vape.
0: I'm thinking of quitting vaping.
1: I've thought of that sometimes, but I never
0: do. I won't get into it now, but <laughs> okay. I'm thinking about it. And it makes the, the fact that I, I'm so anxious, even thinking about quitting makes me think I probably shouldn't quit yet because I don't really have any other coping mm. mechanism. Like I'm, I don't, I'm not on any meds like you- right now. I'm not in therapy. Uh, and and I,
1: I know myself well enough to know if I yeah. try to quit, I might pick up something worse. So I was thinking, I was like, it's pretty standard. I feel like if you get rid of a coping mechanism and you don't have anything else, you just kind of grab at the first thing you can latch on to, which might not be better. And that's how I deal with my little tea trauma. Vaping. <laughs> yes. Use this code for 10% off. <laughs> Perfect thing. No. So I will say like one last thing really quick. Please. And if you have a response to it or not, it just, it was an interesting um, thing to wrap up the idea of legitimizing little t trauma it was said that it is easier to minimize but it's harder to gain empathy i felt like that made a lot of sense mm.
0: easier to minimize harder to gain empathy i can see that i mean mm-hmm. we both minimize our mental yeah health i mean minimizing for
1: sure <laughs> all the
0: time so gaining empathy for yourself i'm assuming is what they mean
1: I was thinking that or or from other people honestly as I was saying it I was thinking it's probably hard to get empathy from other people because you tend to minimize yeah it's a cycle yeah it's it's harder for somebody to empathize with you when you tell them like up front it's not really a big deal then they're like oh okay well you you told me not to think it's a big deal so I guess so oh my god that's kind of blowing my mind right now because
0: like I always joke about my trauma all the mm-hmm. time. It's all mm-hmm. I do. To the point where I think it makes some people uncomfortable. And if I'm being honest, like it makes me kind of uncomfortable. Like sometimes I yeah. wish I could just sit down and have a serious conversation about something without mm-hmm. making a joke about it. But that's just how I, I've learned to cope over the years because I told myself it's not big T trauma. It's little T trauma. I have to joke about it because it's yeah. ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I definitely am guilty of the same.
0: So it's good we're talking about it. Yeah. I think if you do anything, just like admitting to yourself that, oh, this thing happened. And I think it traumatized me. And just like talking about it, like even if you have to joke about it initially, like I don't think it's all bad to joke about this stuff because it opened a no. conversation.
1: But yeah, just I guess to like leave people with it with a thought. Like, first of all, if you think something was trauma, then you're probably right because you would not have felt that like don't wonder like well does this really count if you mm-hmm. believe it then most likely it is yeah and yeah just just validate yourself yeah validate yourself you are valid and yes. we are
0: valid yes uh, are you ready for a palate cleanser oh my god i am <laughs> i've been trying to think of a way to segue into this all night so one way we deal with trauma is with hobbies yes
1: yes i'm gonna have a craft room in then yeah you're a
0: crafty person <laughs> um you told me in the past that you once were an aspiring writer slash still are. Yes. And so (laughs) I thought (laughs) of a way to help you ease back into that side of yourself. (laughs) So I have found a plot generator... Ooh. So we will be writing a short story today. Okay. um, And my hope is that you'll be inspired to write more short stories of your own.
1: Maybe a whole novel.
0: A whole novel. Okay. So there's a bunch of fill in the blanks. Mm -hmm. So you're just going to give me all your answers and then it's going to spit out a short story. Ooh. Okay. Okay. So for the title, you have Mm -hmm. a few choices for the format of your title. Would you like to name it after the protagonist? Name it after a secondary character, name it after an object from the story, name it after the weather, name it after the place where it all happens, or random?
1: I think an object.
0: An object, alright. For the opening, you need to set the scene. So, would you like to launch straight into action, or do you want to focus on a relationship with your opening scene? Ooh, action. Action, alright. Would you like your conflict to be emotional, violent, or financial? (laughs) I don't I don't want it to be any of those let's pick financial Um, okay (laughs) (laughs) because I I feel like that one is such a wild card and we were just talking about it
1: it was going to be emotional or financial I was deciding between so yes let's go let's go with financial okay so this is jumping ahead a little bit
0: but would you Mm -hmm. like a happy resolution a sad resolution or a violent resolution
1: definitely sad I I think in the regret episode when we talked about Being wistful, that's kind of what I'd go for. Yeah. All right. That's more So
0: now we get to talk about our protagonist. Mm -hmm. So I need a first and a last name. Pico Suave. Pico Suave. (laughs) Um, And I'm guessing you will pick male for the gender.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) They only have male and female. They don't have other, which I don't like it. Uh, Your secondary character. First and last
1: name and gender. Magnolia Birch.
0: Magnolia Birch. That would be female. All right. What does the second character, Magnolia, want from the protagonist, Pico? And it's a fill in the blank. So the examples they give are closure, revenge, or a hug. But I can choose anything. You can choose choose anything. Recognition. Recognition. Oh, that's fitting. How does the second character... I'm just going to say Magnolia and Pico instead of second character. Okay, okay. So how Mm -hmm. does magnolia feel about pico positively or negatively positively all right what is something pico would like to say to magnolia for example i love you or i am your father (laughs) (laughs) again it's a fill in the blank anything you want in the world
1: let's let's give it some conflict you mean nothing to me (gasps) oh this is gonna be good
0: you mean (laughs) nothing to me I just got a manicure with gel tips, so it's hard mm-hmm. to type. Oh, all yeah. right, what is the name of the place where it all happens? Banger, Maine. Anchor, Maine? Banger. Banger? B-A-N-G-E-R? G-O-R. Oh. <laughs> all right, well, what is that place to you? I have to
1: ask. I just wanted somewhere in Maine, and that's the only city I could think of.
0: All right, <laughs> sick. How does Pico, or how did Pico feel about the place, positively or negatively?
1: Positive. All right. No, negative. All right. It's too cold. What is
0: a feature of Bangor, Maine? Lobster. Lobster. (laughs) All right. What are two adjectives that could be used to describe Bangor, Maine?
1: Cold. As we've established. Quaint. All right. I've never been to Maine. I'm making this up. Oh, okay.
0: (laughs) If you're from Maine... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're both sorry. But mostly (laughs) Lauren. I'm very sorry. (laughs) Okay. What are four emotion adjectives? For instance, happy, sad, grumpy.
1: Terrified. Okay. Skeptical. Ooh, good one. Perturbed.
0: Ooh. And sad. (laughs) That one was inspired. (laughs) An adjective that could describe an object. Clean. All right. Six adjectives to describe somebody's character.
1: (sighs) Nefarious. All right. Judgmental. Caring. I need to get something good in there. (laughs) Right. Friendly. All right. Direct. One more.
0: Messy. All right. um, An occasion. (laughs) Halloween. All right. Three verbs. Ending in I-N-G.
1: Cooking. Showering.
0: (laughs) Which I hope to do after this. Oh, I'm excited for you. Uh, Flexing nice something or somebody vulnerable so for instance an old lady a baby bird a toddler a
1: baby salamander
0: oh i love salamanders (laughs) i used to catch them in the woods in connecticut when i was Mm -hmm. a kid the ones with the spots on them are so cool Uh, Mm -hmm. a noun you might compare the main character to for instance an angel a giant a saint what would you compare pico to
1: what are those called? Like fiber optic balls? Those things that, where you touch it, it goes like.
0: <laughs> I have no clue. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I'll put. Um, a f- <laughs> I can't even think of a way to describe it. No, I'll come up with something else. Um, a farmer. Pretty random, but we're moving on. <laughs> yeah. A noun you might compare magnolia to. The examples they give are brute, monster, coward.
1: An English, rose. The opposite okay. of farmer. <laughs>
0: Yes. I started writing English Farm. Um, a type of music. Ballad.
1: Wait, a rock ballad. A rock ballad. <laughs> I want ballad. It to be like hair
0: metal. <laughs> Even better. Yes. All right, what's Pico's favorite drink? Straight hot sauce. Straight hot sauce. Two <sighs> objects. I know this is a lot, but it's worth it. I know. Okay. Um, I, I did a test run last night with Brett. Okay. It was very funny.
1: A microphone.
0: A microphone. And
1: a spork ooh
0: that (laughs) one caught me off guard all right a currency the ruble a noun to do with the weather so like rain snow sun fog fog all right you got three more questions left oh okay all right so give me three animals plural uh turtles good choice (laughs) um chinchillas and horses Release the war horses <laughs> Yes. I like to say that randomly with no context. Um two body parts plural Toes. Alright. Ovaries. <laughs> Alright, last one. Okay. Four adjectives to describe physical characteristics. So like big skinny ginger are the examples they give. <laughs> the ginger <laughs> that That's the example that. they give. Okay. Gangly. Alright. Bumpy. I don't like it, but I'm typing it. <laughs> <laughs> bumpy. It's gonna be a bumpy ride, folks. Uh, hairy. All right, one more. Crooked. All right, gangly, bumpy, hairy, crooked. It <laughs>
1: sounds like a terrible looking right? person. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, what would you like your pen name to be for this story?
1: Allison Francis. Those are my two middle names. Allison. What? Allison. Oh.
0: I thought you said Alicent. There's a character on Game of Thrones right now named Alicent, and I was gonna say you don't even
1: watch right. that. Okay, right but now do you mean like the new stuff? Because I watched Game of Thrones,
0: the new, the new spinoff show yeah, House of the Dragon. Watch that, yeah, it's so that. good. It's more focused on that.
1: character. Okay. Then anyway, Na- the nakedness. <laughs> That's what we yeah.
0: Well, wants. there's less nakedness and there's more uh, traumatic childbirth scenes. <laughs>
1: Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> um, okay, so Alison you get some. <laughs> okay, but here's the real question. How do you spell yeah. Allison with one L or two L's? Two. Okay, good. That's my favorite way to spell it.
1: Alison Francis. Francis is with an E. Oh, I'm glad you clarified.
0: All right. It's gonna generate your short story and I'm going to read it to you. Yes. <laughs> so the name of your story is the Clean Microphone. In other words, not what this night has been. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say appropriate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Alright, I hope you have a vape and a coffee. <laughs> Get cozy okay the clean mo <laughs> the- <laughs> i can't even do this the clean microphone a short story by allison francis pico suave looked at the clean microphone in his hands and felt terrified he walked over to the window and reflected on his quaint surroundings he had always hated cold bangor maine with its long lovely lobster It was a place that encouraged his tendency to feel terrified. Then he saw something in the distance, or rather, someone. It was the figure of Magnolia Birch. Magnolia was a friendly English rose with crooked toes and hairy ovaries. (laughs) She sounds beautiful. (laughs) Pico gulped. He glanced at his own reflection. He was a nefarious, judgmental, straight hot sauce drinker with gangly toes and bumpy ovaries. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they already used overs. I know. His friends saw him as a faff-dorking... What the fuck is that word? Faff-dorking? What? Okay. I hope it was... I didn't give you that I, one. <laughs> you did not. His friends saw him as a faff-dorking faithful farmer. Once, okay. he had even rescued a sweet baby salamander from a burning oh. building. Wow. <laughs> but not even a nefarious person who had once rescued a sweet baby salamander from a burning building was prepared for what Magnolia had in store today. The fog teased like cooking turtles, making Pico Mm. sad. As Pico stepped outside and Magnolia came closer, he could see the inquisitive glint in her eye. Look, Pico, growled Magnolia with a caring glare that reminded Pico of friendly horses. It's not that I don't (laughs) love you, but I want recognition. You owe me 2,739 rubles. Pico looked back even more sad and still fingering the clean microphone. (laughs) Magnolia, you mean nothing to me. He replied.
1: Harsh.
0: They looked at each other with skeptical feelings, like two curved, crazy chinchillas showering at a very direct Halloween, which had rock ballad music playing in the background with, and two messy uncles flexing to the beat. Oh my. Pico studied Magnolia's crooked toes. Here we go again with the ovaries. Pico studied Magnolia's crooked toes at hairy ovaries. Eventually, he took a deep breath. I'm a <laughs> I'm afraid I declared myself bankrupt, explained Pico. You will never get your money. No, objected Magnolia. You lie. I do not, retorted Pico. Now get your crooked toes out of here before I hit you with this clean microphone. <laughs> Jesus, Pico. Magnolia Magnolia looked perturbed, her wallet raw like a stingy, scary spork. <laughs> Pico could actually hear Magnolia's wallet shatter into 2,739 pieces. Then the friendly English rose hurried away into the distance. Not even a drink of straight hot sauce would calm Pico's nerves tonight. The Ooh. end. Wow. He's in a rough spot. <laughs> and look, you get reviews for your short story. The Daily Tale says, I feel like I know Pico Suave. In a way, it feels as though I've always known him. Yeah. And then... Um, Hit the spoof says, saying the fog teased like cooking turtles is just the kind of literary device that makes this brilliant. Yes. And then Zob Gloop says, I could do better. Cool. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, Zob. <laughs> Let's see. Ah, <sighs> That was it. That was how it fun. I here. loved it. <laughs> it's really fun. So the website is plot-generator.org.uk. And you can generate fairy tales, picture books, movie plots, all this different stuff. Love it. And they're not all as long as the one that I did. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is Pickles and Vodka, everybody. Yeah. The pickle poll should be out by now, but if it isn't, look out for it in the next few days. And the next episode we do will be playing your answers to that. Get ready to leave voicemails. Yeah, get ready to leave voicemails. Before we say goodbye, I want to do a quick shout out to the three people who responded to my Instagram story the other night asking for Spotify ratings for our podcast. I was like, guys, please go rate my podcast five stars so we can beat the 4.9 rating and so I can feel validated. And three people actually did it.
1: Oh my god! Yay. But it wasn't enough
0: to break the 4.9 rating.
1: I imagine that's gotta be difficult. I know.
0: So if you're listening to this and you feel like doing something nice for your favorite mental health mm-hmm. podcasters, um,
1: just go rate us on Spotify, five stars, or... But if you're the person that left us not a five, then go revoke your rating. Can you do that? <laughs> I don't know.
0: See if you can do that. If you can, do it, and then give us five stars. Is that too much to ask? I think god. not. God! <laughs> Okay. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Yeah. Bye.